The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, about the same as always anymore. So we're here going just kind of full steam ahead toward the draft. The main wave of free agency is done. We're in full pro day season right now. Ohio State was done earlier in the week. We just had Missouri's pro day, and we're just kind of moving right along toward the draft process and as we do that a couple things have really changed since we did a full episode like this with just the two of us the giants now have two first round picks we haven't really discussed that at length at this point in terms of what that will mean for the Giants draft. So that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to use those two first round picks and look at them in a way of trying to figure out what the Giants might do with that depending on what their overall plan is going to be. And now there's been a lot of talk of what the Giants' plan is. I think when you look at some of their the moves they have made over the past couple weeks or really since Dave Gettleman took over the team last year, they don't always link up in a coherent linear plan but Gettleman has stated he does have a plan he's not going to say what that is so we don't totally know if it's going to be you know a complete rebuild which it doesn't look like between sticking with Eli Manning and signing someone like Golden Tate we don't know if it's a full win now where they really just aren't considering the future (laughs) so there's a lot of things that we need to figure out so we're going to go over a couple of different first round scenarios depending on what the Giants plan might be so we're going to give a scenario and then give a first round that fits into that scenario so they have picks 6 and 17 overall and let's go into our first scenario which is If they're going into a complete rebuild, that would be counter to some of the moves they have made, but let's say they really think they need to start building for the future right now. So when we get with that scenario, I think quarterback has to be addressed. So we took Dwayne Haskins at six and then 17, there's a couple of 
of strange options. We weren't really left with a great pick. We did a quick simulator just to see who might be left here, uh, and we ended up with Greedy Williams. How did how do you feel about this complete rebuild draft, Chris? I wasn't thrilled with it, mostly because we kept having guys who were, you know, be really interesting, especially at, at 17, just slipped through our fingers. We kept having to, we redrafted a couple times. Uh, at one point, we had Quinn and Williams available at six, which, let's be honest, no way. The scenario goes out the window. Dave Gettleman drafts Quinn and Williams. That's but we had already settled on Dwayne Haskins, so we took Haskins. And there weren't too many options that we really felt strongly about and really good about. So we settled on Greedy Williams because he fits the kind of archetype that both James Betcher and Dave Gettleman have favored in the past for cornerbacks. And if this is a complete rebuild, then at some point in the next year Janoris Jenkins will no longer be on the roster I don't know if it will be as a post-June first cut I don't know if it somehow would be in final cut downs for some reason I don't know if if they work a trade for him at the trade deadline or if they cut him as soon as the season is over but he is not going to be a giant for long so they're going to need more cornerback help i don't think we can count on Tony Lippett to start opposite Sam Beal, which, if we're being honest, even though we are both high on Sam Beal, there's still some question marks there. He's coming off surgery. We did, never really got a look at him last year. So drafting a highly rated cornerback, even though I he has slipped some, he didn't really take the step forward last year that I think a lot of people wanted him to. But he still has all of the athletic ability. He's got the size. He's got he's got the length. He comes from a school with a reputation for producing great corners. So at the, at this point, with the way the draft fell, it seemed like Reedy was the least bad of our options given this scenario. Yeah, so 17 is, uh, it's an interesting spot, and it's kind of just where we found ourselves trying to figure out who was going to be in this place. There were a couple of tackles available, none we felt strongly about in this scenario. We're going to get to ones where, where we do take a tackle. The sweet spot for the pass rush was not really there. That's a, a little bit higher with, you know, Montez Sweat and Brian Burns, and those guys, those are more, you know, sixth overall. And since we took Haskins, because we do believe quarterback is where you would need to start in a rebuild, or at least start to think. So whether Haskins you know, sits a whole season, which he probably wouldn't need to do, or he sits part of the season while Eli were to start, you have him there. Then I think once you get to 17, the, the pass rush isn't quite there, where it's not super different between taking someone at 17 and possibly at 37. So there's some more depth there, so you can still get an edge rusher later. And Greedy Williams is interesting, and, and why we landed there is because, one, he can immediately start opposite of Jenkins for 2019. It lets Sam Beal ease his way in a little bit if he's not completely healthy. It lets him and Grant Haley maybe share some reps, and there's not pressure on them right away. 
And then Greedy Williams is, like you said, he's he's that big, tall guy. He came in at, at 6'2". He's good in man coverage per Sports Info Solutions, allowed 4.9 yards per snap in, in man coverage. He can play zone two, 5.5 yards per snap. He can move into the slot a little bit. He played 20.4% of his snaps in the slot last year at LSU. So he's someone where if you can get that corner and have better coverage for longer, that also helps the pass rush. So if you're not going to get a pass rusher there, getting that coverage, that can help. And that's an argument I made during the season and a little bit after the season of one of the reasons the Giants pass rush was so poor in terms of sacks because they were getting pressure but the corners couldn't hold up so there were open windows to throw so the opposing quarterbacks were able to get the ball out I think if you get that coverage a little better you can make it a little harder for the quarterbacks to find an outlet and that improves the pass rush a little bit and if you have a, a good young corner that does make it easier to move on from Jenkins and that just kind of starts that process there. So I think Greedy ends up probably being a best case scenario at 17, although he, he might not be there in reality. But in terms of what we were looking at right now, I think a, a rebuild when you go a quarterback corner, that's a pretty good way to go. Yeah, and even if Greedy isn't there, there are other corners who are probably worth taking at that point. Uh, Byron Murphy or DeAndre Baker stand out. And I'm not sure if they're quite big enough for the Giants, but they're both quality cover corners. They are. I think I'm, I'm higher. I'm pretty high on, on both of those guys too. I've been playing around with a big board, which I don't really do, <laughs> but I have all three of those guys in my top 10 right now, which is just kind of in my personal philosophy of building a big board. It's either you're helping your passing game or you're trying to deter the opponent's passing game. Uh, so I weight that a lot higher. So I think corners are important. And these are three pretty good corners, I think. So getting greedy at 17, I think it would be a pretty good spot for this rebuild. But we're not sure if the Giants are actually you know, going to rebuild. and They're building. Yeah, we, we, hear, we hear building, which is a... Interesting turn of phrase, I suppose. It, it is. It is. It, it basically just goes into what we've talked about. It's half a rebuild, it's half a win now, and that usually does not work. So our next scenario is if the Giants are just no, win now. We need to do the most impact right now to help ourselves in 2019. Basically, Dave Gettleman is drafting for his job. Yeah, which, I, I don't know, is is that far-fetched? I, I don't know. You know. If 2019 is bad again when he's still doing this half-and-half half thing and after trading away Odell Beckham, I think this almost needs to be a successful 2019. If he doubles down on this and it's bad again, the seat gets progressively hotter, maybe. But although, who knows, I mean... Giants ownership has allowed it to go this far. So uh, really, who knows? So let's do our, our win now plan where the Giants are looking for the most impact right now. So that we took Montez Sweat at sixth overall, uh, edge rusher out of Mississippi State, and Cody Ford, uh, who we're going to play at offensive tackle out of Oklahoma at 17. Yeah, so just looking at the Giants offseason, they need pass rush. Like, they needed 
a second pass rusher when they had Olivier Vernon. They need a first pass rusher right now. We've already covered that improving the secondary will help their pass rush, and they took a step towards that by replacing Curtis Riley with Bethea, but they still need a, a number one pass rusher. I, right now, their top pass rusher is probably B.J. Hill, and most of his sacks came in one game. They do have Lorenzo Carter on the edge, and we know the Giants loved him throughout the process. They reportedly even tried to trade up into the second round to get him last year. So why don't we get a guy who compares pretty pretty similarly to Carter, but is just a little bit better in just about every area, and that is Montez Sweat. So that's the way we went. Then moving down to Cody Ford, we know the Giants, Dave Gettleman specifically, likes big, powerful linemen, and that is Cody Ford. He's big, he's powerful, he's great in the run game, and they need a right tackle. Right, and if we look at Montez Sweat, he is, I mean, obviously killed the combine. You know, the the four four one at 260 pounds, and that is really impressive athleticism. That's it's something James Betcher is going to like. That size is probably something Dave Gettleman is going to like. The Giants still have a clear need at the pass rush. Biggest remaining edge rusher is Lorenzo Carter. They got Marcus Golden, who should be good back with Betcher after being with him in Arizona, but he's still coming off an injury, so the pass rush is very questionable right now. So, yeah, pressure on 20.5% uh, of his pass rushes in college for Sports Info Solutions at 46 pressures. And so he, he was he was productive enough, and I think when you add that into the athleticism, that's something that the Giants are are definitely going to like. And I think Montez Sweat at six, if the Giants are not seriously considering a quarterback, or if both quarterbacks are gone before six, I think Montez Sweat is probably the most realistic option at number six right now. And then when we look at Cody Ford, I think he's someone who could instantly be a starter or right tackle. Right now, the Giants do not have a right tackle. They've been they've been connected to Mike Remmers. He, he took a visit and nothing has happened, but that's another 30-plus-year-old tackle but if you get someone like Cody Ford who can be plugged in at right tackle last year for sports and Solutions had a blown block on 0.48 percent of his pass snaps which is absolutely excellent he was a little worse against the run but I don't really care if you're holding up in pass blocking you're going to be fine uh, and that's really the more important thing for tackles when he's gonna have Kevin Zeitler next to him that would help uh, kind of the same way Nate Solder helped Will Hernandez for a little bit to start the year of last season. And then eventually I think Hernandez might have helped Solder a little more as Hernandez got a little better. So if you look at the two biggest needs right now, and Gettleman has said he you can't draft for need, but if they do this, and this still kind of falls with best player available because we think this might be kind of how the Giants board would be set up. Montez Sweat and Cody Ford are just two plug-and-play guys that are going to be able to bring the most in 2019. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Sweat as probably their best realistic chance. That does kind of lead into our next scenario. Yeah, let's... Let's jump into the next one because I think this is this is one where there think, is kind of a plan, but 
in the long term is probably like the worst case scenario. I also find this to be a very realistic scenario, which is troublesome. And that would be if the Giants take Rashawn Gary, the edge out of Michigan at six, and Daniel Jones, quarterback from Duke at 17. This is, like you said, almost scarily possible scenario because as much as Montez Sweat fits what Dave Gettleman and the Giants like, so does Rashawn Gary. But the difference is, is that Sweat has been productive. Gary is an absolute athletic freak. He showed that at the combine. He showed that on tape. His athleticism jumps off on tape. The problem is he doesn't produce. He is almost like Marcus Hunt was coming out. You can see the explosive linear athleticism, but he has no bend. When I was watching him, he would lose track of the play. He would get hung up on tackles because his hand use just wasn't there. And all of those things together are just scary to me in a prospect. I don't even list him as edge because I don't believe he has the lower body flexibility to play as an edge rusher. I don't think he has the ability to flatten and bend around the corner. Sweat is, he doesn't show a tremendous amount of it on tape, but we can at least see from his quickness drills, the short shuttle and three cone, that he does have that kind of short area agility. And maybe he can develop some more lower body fluidity with mobility work in a NFL strength and conditioning program. Gary doesn't show anything like that. And the fact that he couldn't even get production just out athleting college level tackles is a big concern for me. And well, as for Daniel Jones, we've, you know, we've been over him before. I kind of see a weaker armed Blake Bortles. Mark Schofield said Blaine Gabbert. I have seen EJ Manuel thrown around. I don't think the Giants really want to hitch their franchise to that kind of quarterback for the next five years, or at least they shouldn't want to. Yeah, I've said many times on this podcast, I'm very out on Daniel Jones. Nothing since when we first started talking about him till now through this process has changed my mind on Daniel Jones. He was one of the least efficient quarterbacks in this entire quarterback group. He is one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in this group. He hasn't really responded well under pressure. You know, people think he's got a a great arm because he's big, uh, but that's just not really the case. I just don't see the things that can be improved upon to make a good NFL quarterback. And you can make the argument that he he did not have a good supporting cast. Uh, That's fine. Not every one of these quarterbacks had a great supporting cast, but he he did not do a lot to raise that supporting cast either. And I, I just don't see the traits that develop into being a quarterback. I think the traits he doesn't have, like the inaccuracy and things like that, that so, so rarely gets better. So I just want to be 
uh, very hesitant on anyone hyping up Daniel Jones because he just there's so many red flags in that that I I mean I I would not put him in in the first round so I just think a lot of what he did in college is very alarming and does not really translate to the NFL level and the same thing goes kind of with Gary I called him an edge I don't always think of him as an edge it depends on you know, where he's listed on you know, where you look because he can, he's either considered an edge or an interior defensive lineman either way he did not have good production especially rushing the passer you look at some of these guys who are some of the freak athletes in this class and if you look at edge you look at montez sweat you look at brian burns you even look at ben benogu those are guys who were able to use their athleticism to create pressure and uh, and have college production gary had all this athleticism and really couldn't do anything with it. And, and it's not even like in Ed Oliver case where Ed Oliver is a, a freaky athlete and he didn't really have the ideal college production. But that's because he was playing like in a, a zero technique, like head up on the center where just players like that don't play anymore. And it's actually, it's very hard to rush the passer from where Houston played him. And Gary was in a situation where he should have been fine. And he just wasn't able to translate that. So you can't claim it was his situation when you had Chase Winovich, who is undersized. His athleticism wasn't highly thought of before the combine. And compared to a lot of the other guys, it isn't really special. But he produced circles around Gary. You know, while Gary's linear burst did stand out on film, it was Winovich who was the guy who was always around the ball he was the guy bending the edge he was he was the one who actually showed up and that's not great when your athletic freak is getting shown up by a guy who is just an undersized outside linebacker no no it's not and and that's what really worries me about gary it's kind of just worried me from the start and so it taking him at six uh, would should scare a lot of people, and uh, I'm not sure how unreasonable it is to believe the Giants might do that. Yeah, you know, it's and it, you can't even say that it would be like a Jason Pierre-Paul situation because Gary has been getting really good coaching for years now. Right, Gary's not raw. Gary no. has just not been great. <laughs> there's yeah. there's a difference there. There are a lot of dots to connect. Uh, physically, Gary is very similar to prospects on the defensive end that Gettleman has drafted in the past at Carolina. And there are a lot of warm, fuzzy familiarity dots to connect between Daniel Jones and the Giants. But with David Cutcliffe and Duke and had having potential relationship with Eli Manning that could make the Giants feel very comfortable in drafting him as a guy who Eli might be willing to mentor or who could he could mentor without any controversy or distractions but the fact that Jones just falls apart as a quarterback once you get past the basics of David Cutcliffe's scheme that his quarterbacking kind of falls off a cliff once he has to go down the field you know we saw it in the combine we saw it at at the senior bowl he has to put everything he has in the ball to get it down the field and then his accuracy is just not there 
And even though he is apparently two feet taller than Kyler Murray, he had twice as many batted balls, which is not great. Yeah, it's just a lot of things that do concern you from a developmental level. Uh, and it's one of the reasons a lot of people aren't very high on him. He, he looks like an NFL quarterback, but he just has not played like one to date. So we're going to shift gears a little bit for this last category. And we're going to stop trying to pretend to know what the Giants are going to do. And we're going to just go with what our ideal first round would be right now. So we're going to go about this like like we are now taking over at this moment and we are in charge of the rebuild for the Giants going forward. This isn't going to be our ideal of what we would like the Giants or Dave Gettleman to do. This is going to be we are currently taking over at this moment right now and we get to draft the first round uh, and bring a vision going forward. So that's how we're going to do it. Chris and I each have a uh, first round we want to do so Chris why don't why don't you go with yours first okay so in my fantasy ideal world where I am the Giants general manager Josh Rosen is available for trade so I am dealing my second round pick to the Arizona Cardinals for Josh Rosen we've talked about this before Ed put up a very good post on Big Blue View about it trading for Rosen especially trading a second round pick for Rosen is a move that just makes all kind of sense for the Giants. I'll admit I was not particularly high on Rosen last year, at least in comparison to Baker Mayfield, who had been my quarterback one basically since the Bedlam game, but was October or November of 2017. So I'd, I'd never had Rosen as my QB one. But right now, for a second-round pick, that is a value I cannot pass up. It would give the Giants an opportunity to just completely shortcut and short-circuit the entire rebuilding process by getting a an experienced quarterback with upside, and upside in Pat Shermer's scheme specifically because it, would, it fits what Josh Rosen does very well. And he has already gone through... The fire, it, and it was a hotter fire than most in an Arizona situation that just was not good last year. So he would be able to start right away if the Giants wanted. They could move on from Eli. But then we've got a quarterback for the future on a rookie deal for four years, and that is basically the biggest competitive advantage any NFL team can have. So now coming into the draft it, itself, I am going to go into the win now mode because I now have my young quarterback and I'm going Montez Sweat basically for the same reasons listed before the Giants need a pass rush they need a primary pass rusher and I do like Sweat he has been productive enough I believe he is a player on the rise who will continue to get better at using his physical skills that just freakish athleticism and he is a little bit more different from Lorenzo Carter than Brian Burns is, although Burns is an excellent pass rusher. So that's pretty much a coin flip. I just opted for the rarer athletic skill set. 
Then going down to 17th is a name we haven't talked about much, and that is Garrett Bradbury, center out of North Carolina State. The Giants need an offensive tackle. We've mentioned that a couple times already. I also think they need a center. I am not happy with John Jalapio and Spencer Pulley as my options. I want a center who can move and can use his hands, who is experienced at center, who can make the protection calls, and preferably do all of those things at the same time on every play. Everybody gets hung up on left tackle being the most important position on the offensive line. Personally, I think it is the center. He is the guy in the middle. He's the guy calling the protections. He's the guy who has to, who is most in charge of setting the depth of the pocket and either standing up to nose tackles or deciding who, where the double team needs to be. He's the player who has to get up to the second level and block the linebackers or defensive backs for Saquon Barkley, or he can get out and pull. And Bradbury is just an absolute technician. He's strong enough to play in man gap. He is athletic enough to play in zone. So that's just where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, those are all things that make a lot of sense if you're looking at what the Giants need right now. I know a couple weeks ago we talked about Rosen, I made the case that trading the 37th overall pick, which is the Giants pick in the second round, is is a no-brainer for him. It made a lot more sense while Odell Beckham was still on the team because then you have a better wide receiver to throw to. But still, all things considered, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and not a terrible receiving duo. I actually wrote about that on Big Blue View. You can check that out about what that receiving situation might look like. So... Yeah, I would be on board with Rosen. I'd sweat, I think it makes sense at six. I think we already talked about that. And yeah, interior part of the offensive line, I think anytime you can shore that up and get that better. Yeah, Pulley was not great. He was about 22nd among centers in blown block rate for Sports Info Solutions last year. Jalapio was you know, fine, but it, I think one thing you, I kind of do agree with Gettleman with he said it just having a player on a roster should not stop you from drafting over him so if you can you know get a center there which I think is still important especially with Barkley if you want to run him up the middle again that's that's not always the most efficient way to use him but if that's how it is going to happen you would like to be a little stronger up the middle there so if, if you had Hernandez Bradbury and Zeitler going up the middle that's that's a pretty good interior offensive line that would help the quarterback out also which in this case is Rosen you're getting less pressure up the middle so you really only have to worry about pressure off the edge and and that's much easier to manage so yeah I think that whole thing and that's part of getting the quarterback is is something that that makes a lot of sense just specifically for Rosen I tend to believe that a pocket passer it's more important to have a strong interior to have that pocket they can step up into Whereas with a more mobile quarterback, it's better to have a to have your strength at the tackles so they can kind of hold edge rushers off while the quarterback just escapes the pressure out into space or wherever. Right. So as we talk about mobile quarterbacks, we'll go into my I, ideal. I'm going to do two ideals because the first one is just probably... It, not going to happen, but it's what I would do, what I would make an effort to do. So I'm not huge on trading 
up or trading first round picks. But if I were the Giants and I were in charge of taking over this rebuild and trying to build the Giants out for the future, I would do everything I could to trade up to the first overall pick and select Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, I've been high on Kyler Murray for a while. He just doesn't seem like a realistic option for the Giants right now. Just probably going to go first overall to Arizona. And I think one of the cool things right now is we just kind of all accepted that Kyler Murray is you know, worthy of the first overall pick. We've kind of just stopped talking about him being too small or a product of Oklahoma or someone who's really not going to improve or be able to handle the NFL level of football. I think a lot of that has just died down and we're like, yeah, going to Arizona first overall just kind of makes sense. Um, so that's actually just it, overall just a cool thing that I think is a good step forward in just talking about these prospects. But for the Giants, I would still, even without Odell Beckham, of course, if I'm still in charge of the team, I would not have traded Odell Beckham. Um, <laughs> I would have tried to pair Murray with Beckham. If that took a 2020 first, I think that's something I probably would have done, even though I'm rarely a fan of trading future first round picks. But I think Murray could be an exception. Um, so if you look at it, the 6th and 17th overalls by the old Jimmy Johnson chart, that's about equal to the second overall pick by the the new football perspective uh, approximate value chart. 6 and 17 are more valuable than the first overall pick, so maybe you find a bit of a balance there. I would move up to take Kyler Murray, even without Beckham. I think you have Murray, then in the backfield, that immediately I think makes Saquon Barkley better. You just have more of an impact there. You have the zone read you can use now. You have the RPOs. I think that makes Barkley more dangerous. Uh, you have Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. I think that that is that's a dangerous offense uh, already. So I think that it would be the easiest way for the Giants to go. I think it's it's slightly uh, it's a step or two below if that were to be Dwayne Haskins. I still think Kyler Murray is easily the best quarterback in this class. I do like him more than Haskins. But uh, if I'm just I'm sticking at six and I'm sticking at seventeen. I think at this point, because we're so far down this road, I'm not sure if I take a quarterback because I'm not totally sure how sold on Haskins I am, especially with the way the wide receivers are built right now. So I would take Brian Burns at six overall. He would be uh, my preferred edge rusher there. Uh, He's just as athletic overall as Montez Sweat. There's little difference there. And then when you look at the production, Burns was able to be very productive at Florida State. He's a little smaller, but I mean, James Betcher has been able to use those types of guys. He had 65 pressures last year, which was only second to Josh Allen in this edge class. Uh, he had 26 quarterback hits, which was a third in this draft class. And that was behind Josh Allen and Ben Benogu, who were tied with 30. So he was a very productive edge rusher. He's a very athletic edge rusher. So I think he would be a perfect person to to fit in that defense to to be someone who who fills that void to rush the passer uh, and then at 17 uh, this is also something I'm not usually a fan of when a team trades away a player and then immediately tries to replace him with the pick they they got in the trade usually that just goes terribly wrong but if again if I'm taking over the Giants right now I wouldn't have made the trade so I just I have this pick that I need to try to rebuild so my pick at 17 is Hakeem Butler wide receiver at out of Iowa State so I think Butler is going to be uh 
I think kind of polarizing. I think the people who really like him will have him in this area of, you know, the middle of the first round. And some people might not have him in the first round, might have him as more of, of a second round pick. I happen to like Butler a lot. He comes out very well in target yards added. He is He's athletic. He is uh, gigantic. He's 6'4", nearly 6'5", like 225. He has the ability to get downfield, an average depth of target of 15.9. That gives the Giants something they don't have right now of someone who can get down the field. If you read what I wrote on Big Blue View about what Golden Tate's impact is for the Giants offense, you see that his average depth of target over his career has been like a little over like six. Sterling Shepard's just below 10. So to have someone who is, you know, the size of Butler and can get down the field, he's a receiver I like uh, quite a bit. So he would be my wide receiver too in this uh, scenario. I think I have him just below DK Metcalf. So I think trying to get that edge rush and shoring up the passing game for whatever is going to be the future at quarterback, uh, I think that would be the way I would try to go. Yeah, and that that makes sense. Actually, both of your scenarios make sense. Butler would probably be the uh, Plaxico Burris stand in the, that at least Giants fans have been looking for since, well, 2008. So that would make just a lot of sense and you know we've both said it the brian burns is the kind of player they need up front you know rushing the passer he's a very smart pass rusher he has good technique he always has a plan he has a variety of moves which is something you actually fairly rarely see coming out of college that guys have a true variety of pass rush moves that they can just go to to and either exploit what linemen don't do well or set them up to beat them later on. So yeah, either of those scenarios, and of course, you know, we're people should should know by now we were both quite high on Kyler Murray, and that would be a dangerous offense. Yeah, it would. It, even without Beckham, I mean, with with Beckham, so I I think I've. And thought it, with an upgrade, a quarterback with the structure the Giants had, I think they could have gone full like top five offensive DVOA, bottom five defensive DVOA, and like tried to compete that way. But obviously, that's not going to happen. I think Kyler Murray would help them now, even with a Tate instead of Beckham. I think you get maybe like an Emmanuel Hall or something in the second round. You ha- so you have that guy who can you can play deep. I think there's there's ways for that offense to go. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. But uh, it's it's a situation again. This is where where we would try to rebuild, and I think it's very different from how Dave Gettleman is going to try to rebuild. And that's kind of why we wanted to just kind of get this exercise and look at a couple of the ways the draft could go, depending on how the Giants are going to view what they need to accomplish in the first round because we still just don't know. (laughs) So we're going to keep trying to get clues, but 
really until the first round happens, we might not know what the plan is. And maybe even after the first round, <laughs> we won't have uh, a full concept of the plan, whatever that is. So I hope you enjoyed this. We just tried to get a little bit of thought experiments and, and see the different ways everything could go. So we still have a little over a month toward the draft. So we're we're full on sprint now. So we'll be uh, coming to you with, with a, a bunch of your draft related podcasts going forward. So we're going to end this show here. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review if you have not. It helps us out greatly. And you can follow our work on bigblueview.com. You can follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. You can follow Big Blue View on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.